friends. How many of us have them? So if you're lucky, you have friendships that are affirming and that are like a place for you to be a fuller version of yourself. So why is it that so few of us have friends of different races? Listen now on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. One of the joys of this job is not only music discovery, but also taking note of how some of our favorite artists continue to find new ways to test their creative boundaries. Vocalist Gloria Estefan is one of those iconic artists who has nothing more to prove to anyone other than herself. And with over 40 years in the music business, millions of albums sold, and numerous tours around the globe, it's seemingly only natural for her to look beyond past successes. And that's exactly what she's doing on her latest album. Brazil 305 is a collection of some of her most well-known songs reimagined with her lifelong love of Brazilian music. Working with a team of musicians and arrangers in Brazil with, of course, her husband Emilio Estefan as producer, Gloria Estefan breathes new life into songs that already have stood the test of time. Everybody It's important to note that these are not just slightly different rehashings. The entire album is a lesson on how to creatively apply one musical cultural tradition to music that comes from something different altogether. But that's enough of me talking about it. This week, alt-Latino contributor and co-host Stephanie Fernandez joins me to talk about the album. And we're honored to have Gloria Estefan join alt-Latino via Zoom from her home in Miami. Gloria Estefan, welcome to alt-Latino. Thank you so much. It's really a blast to be here with you and to talk about this album that I'm happy that people are still listening to my stuff out there. So I'm thrilled <laughs> to contribute one of the deep loves of my life, Brazilian music, but dressed in the skin of my own songs from a lifetime. Can't wait to hear more about it. We've got a lot to talk about. Stephanie and I are big fans and we've got a lot of questions. So, But let's hear the rest of the song. This is your song Conga, but done as a samba, and it's called Samba from the new album by Gloria Estefan.
you may have recognized the melody with a quite a bit of different rhythm on that song. That was Samba from the new album by Gloria Stefan. I call it Sambonga, that song, just as, you know, because <laughs> it's a hybrid of Samba and Conga. So this is from the new record, Brazil 305. 305, of course, representing Miami, where you and I are both from. And it's classic songs re-recorded with four original songs. Is that right? Yeah, it's kind of my musical history wrapped up in a little package there, but done all with the rhythms of Brazil, recorded in Brazil with arrangers and musicians, the top musicians in Brazil. And it was the idea of Afo Verde, the head of Sony Brazil, Sony International, who knew of my deep love, lifelong love for Brazilian rhythms, exemplified by the fact that in 1983, I did an album called Rio, where I wrote Spanish lyrics to big Brazilian hits. Even on our first album in 1976, it was a song called Malvina by Antonio Carlos and Joe Caffey that we did in Spanish. So yes, it is kind of like I got to play and re-sing all my songs in these amazing rhythms. Across the 18 songs on this record, you have so many of your iconic songs, but how did you determine this song list that you were going to record or which songs you were going to feature on this record? Well, you know, it was a bit of a challenge at the beginning, but quite honestly, I, I was clear that this was going to work because when we started trying these things, some of them really blew me away how well they were. Things like Mi Tierra and Ayer that are such classics and such a part of my soul. I thought to myself, oh, okay, let me see what they come up with because yeah, I love the original so much. And then they blew my mind with the arrangements that they created. And we very much wanted to highlight the Brazilian music wave of the 60s that mm -hmm. went worldwide that used orchestral arrangements which with strings and big horn sections. And, and that really was typical of the Brazilian music we we're hearing of that time. So we focused on that. I was blown away about how easily these songs went from one rhythm to the next, maybe because, and I believe, of the African roots that goes through all of our Latin American music and particularly of that of Brazil and Cuba, the Yoruba tribe of Africa was taken enslaved both to Brazil and to Cuba. And depending on the different uh, European influences that were in each country is how these rhythms developed. So at the core is Africa, and that goes throughout all of the music of Latin America. So it's not surprising to me that, that the songs would work as well as they did. Gloria, you mentioned the track Mi Tierra, and that's one of my favorite songs. Let's check that one out. Reimagined from the album Brazil 305. Cuando 
You're listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. Stephanie Fernandez and I are talking to Gloria Stefan about her new record, Brazil 305. Were there any songs that were intimidating to try to recreate? You know what? It's always intimidating when you know that your fans are going to be judging you <laughs> and thinking about, oh, you, this better be worth it because, you know, I've been so fortunate that our songs have been big hits all over the world. So when you do something new to them and, and daunting also to come sing them because you want to do some fresh stuff, but you don't want to disappoint them by changing it to the degree. Plus I'm a writer. So I don't like changing melodies and harmonies because I've spent hours making sure that that melody was that way. So I'm not the kind of singer that's going to do calisthenics or do all these crazy ad libs to variations because to me, the, the melody and the harmony and the way they work together is crucial. So yeah, a lot of the things that I used to do live got onto the recording and uh, I wanted to be as different as I could be, but at the same time staying true. So that was a daunting thing. I just tried to let myself be free and feel the music and let that take my performance in that direction. One of the things I do on the side is I play percussion. I play conga and percussion, mostly Afro-Cuban tradition. But what really impresses is the the power of the batucada, of the drummers and everything that you have going underneath. I'm just wondering, for people who are not familiar with those traditions, like how many different traditions are represented in the music? Brazil is just such a vast country with so many different styles and traditions. It really is, by the way. And hello, Brazil 305, I named it because it was the area code of Miami, but there happened to be 305 different indigenous ethnicities in Brazil. But when you start really looking into them, it's all about percussion. Like you say, in Cuban music, you've got the congas and timbales and bongos. It was those three instruments. We've woven the drums in, in modern times. In Brazilian music, you have that very, very big drum that is kind of like what would be a kick drum normally, but it's, it's even deeper than that. You've got all the tambores that have different intonations that, that uh, go along with it. You have the pandeiro, which is a Portuguese instrument that is not only used as a tambourine, but is also used as a rhythmic by playing the actual skin and also changing the pitch of it with your finger underneath it. But all of it is stuff that you can play in the street. Like in Cuba, in the big carnival and festival that we would do there, that probably still comes from the African tradition, people would be following in the streets playing a frying pan. Mm -hmm you know, and playing different sizes of frying pans and carrying whatever they could carry and play along in the streets. So what I love about it is that it's, it, it includes everyone. And that's what Carnival is about, both in Brazil and in Cuba. It was about this. And it's all about the drums. You need a lot of people playing the, the percussion when you're playing Brazilian music. Before Stephanie asks a question about a specific song, I want to extend an invitation to you. You can come and host Alt Latino anytime to do interviews about Brazilian music, okay? You're welcome. You have an open invitation. Thank invitation. you very much. <laughs> I would love it. Listen, I'm no expert, but I like to learn about what I'm doing. And, and every time I've gone to any country in Latin America, mm -hmm. I always made it a point to buy music from the area, folkloric, music from times past, so that when we performed all these rhythms I wanted to know you know about them and they came very naturally to me so I guess it's that blood you know that the African roots combined with all 
like my Asturian roots and <laughs> Emilio's Lebanese roots. It's all, we've got a lot of vocabularies to draw upon. There's so many songs on this record that mean so much to us who have grown up with your music and who have listened to it over the years. I kind of want to return to like your early days as a musician, Miami Sound Machine and Miami, Hialeah, those days. You're a worldwide sensation now, but how do those early days as a musician shape where you are now, professionally or personally? They absolutely shaped who I am. I got a good 10 years of practice playing to weddings, bar mitzvahs, teenses. <laughs> you know, I don't like being the center of attention. So imagine I joined the band for fun. And to slowly be pushed out front was very difficult for me. And it took me those 10 years to get used to it. And every single gig that I played in Miami was an important part of my growth. And I tried to learn from each one of them. And each time I tried just to relax and let people see how much I love music, which is the reason that I joined the band. I didn't join thinking, oh, we're going to have this big recording career or I want. No, it was for fun. For me, like the rehearsals what was what I enjoyed the most. And those gigs actually taught me a lot. We played a lot of bembés. Do you know what a bembé is? Claro, yes. Uh, you would know because you're a percussionist. Bembé is uh, a celebration of the Cuban religion of Santeria. It's not my religion, but I have a deep respect for all religions. And we played a lot of these gigs. So all these rhythms that are that we later incorporated into conga and rhythm is going to get you came from a very real place. We were literally sitting there and people were getting possessed by the spirit or the things that happen in those things. And I was sitting there wide eyed looking at and absorbing all of this, you know, amazing, the amazing visuals that went along with all of that. And we all, it also gave us a, an audience. So we were constantly testing and trying and mixing rhythms and, and seeing their reaction on the public. When we wrote Conga, we performed it live before we even recorded it. And people were reacting as if they were hearing a hit. So we were very clear that this was going to be great. Now we just had to convince the record company to let us put that out as a single. And they didn't. They put out a different song from that album is a single. Then Emilio and I did a 12 inch of it and took it to the clubs and it literally came in from Europe. It took a year to get to the top of the charts, that song. Oh. So every step of the way, every gig we played helped me to grow as an artist and helped us to find our sound and gave us, because we would play all kinds of music. We would play salsa, cha-cha, bomba de Puerto Rico, merengue, we would play Brazilian stuff. I asked the band to learn Chica de Ipanema, Desafinado, Corcovado, Maishkenada, that I wore out the Brazil 66 album. Because I told Emilio, hey, you know, yeah. I can sing this in Portuguese and it's going to expand our appeal. And sure enough, people would freak out when all of a sudden we could do an old Cuban cha-cha. I would do a ballad like from Carol King or something like that. And then I'd sing a Brazilian tune. So... All of that was really an education, like you cannot believe it. And I loved it every step of the way. And it allowed me the time to get ready for what was to come that I didn't even know at that time. You mentioned Rhythm is Gonna Get You. When I first heard it, I said, oh my God, that's Santeria on the radio. 
You know, yes, that exactly. Little, you know, it's like most it people is. don't know. It's like when Ricky Ricardo used to sing Babalu. It's like Babalu, oh right? It's, of course. Listen, in the samba version here, I put something in there that I used to do live. That oh 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 oh, arriba con la samba. I used to be conga. That came from Ricky Ricardo's performance on I Love Lucy. And he's there with the drums and sweating and going wild. And to me, it was like, I'm watching this on TV. I didn't know what that was when I was a kid, yet there it was. So look how something like that makes its way into my music that is now on the Brazilian. I was able to record it for the samba. But it came from Ricky Ricardo. Full circle. That's amazing. Let's hear the song because it's so powerful, so much fun. So this is from the new album from Gloria Stefan. This is Rhythm is Gonna Get You.
That is a whole lot of drumming and a whole lot of rhythm, so the title is appropriate on The Rhythm is Gonna Get You. Gloria, you were talking a little bit earlier. You mentioned your earliest, earliest days when you had to convince the record company that Conga would be the hit. That's one of the things that I think so many of us in the music business and in the Latino community really appreciate what you and Emilio and the band did in those early days was stand your ground, stand firm, and represent. I'm from Mexican-American background, and a lot of that music was not part of what I grew up. It's something I came to appreciate. But still, the fact of Latino identity is something that you guys pioneered in that generation. It goes back to, unfortunately, we just lost Trini Lopez uh, this week. Oh, Um, my gosh, yes, Trini. But going going back to even then, where he refused to change his name, Carlos Santana. Feliciano. Exactly. Jose Feliciano, you're in a line of pioneers who really stood fast. And we all appreciate the fact that you stood fast for us and you kept that identity. I'm just wondering how how much of a struggle was that initially? Thank you so much for that. Listen, they tried. They told us, get rid of the horns, get rid of the percussion. You can't compete on, you know, American radio nationally. You're too Latin for the Americans. You're too American for the Latins. And we would say that's who we are we don't want to succeed with something that is not us just to have a hit you're going to do this the rest of your life if you're lucky to have a hit and what made us stand out was the fact that we didn't bend to that pressure because it sounded fresh it sounded like something different on the radio than what was happening and the example of santana and feliciano was big it loomed large for us because we go it can be done you know they may be trying to maneuver us into a situation that they want to create but that's not who we are we cross so many different boundaries and and we bridge things with music i think it's a one thing in the world that really doesn't create division it creates unity and and things together so it was incredibly important for emilio and i as immigrants to portray who we were you know, that that resonates a lot with me. You know, I was talking to my parents before this interview thinking questions that we've asked ourselves before of, you know, if you could ask Gloria Stefan anything, what would you ask her? And, you know, what I was realizing is talking to my parents. I'm millennial, so I wasn't part of that era where where you came up in Miami. But to them and to so much of our community, you represent a certain era in our city. You know, Miami is a very different place today than it was back then. And, you know, and you've been part of that evolution. And so, too, the Cuban community has, you know, evolved in that time. I'm curious, you know, as you've become this symbol of our community over the years, have there been any difficult moments in reconciling, you know, being the symbol of the community and, and such a public figure versus, you know, maybe your own personal feelings about the community or or your own struggles with, with our identity? Wow. <laughs> That's quite a question that I have not gotten often, but there is a very clear, in my history, a very clear moment where that came to light. You know, I grew up in this country. My dad brought me here for freedom. I grew up in the, in the school system in the United States. I speak Spanish because my mom made sure that, you know, I needed to know Spanish and I only learned when I went to first grade, but there was a time here in Miami. And this is before any time you were around where they saw us as a very monolithic community and we're not we have so many different ways of thinking and I remember at one Mm -hmm. point I forget exactly the year that it was but a commissioner in the city was fired for expressing an opinion that 
we should allow in Miami uh -huh. Cuban musicians to come from Cuba uh -huh. to perform here. Now, any time any Cuban musician or anything that smelled of Cuba was to come here, I mean, imagine the protest, the craziness that went on. But when I saw someone being fired for expressing an opinion, I wrote a letter to the paper standing up for freedom of speech regardless of where you may stand on the issue. Well, hello, I became persona non grata mm -hmm. in Miami for quite a while mm -hmm. for having said that we needed to have tolerance for other people's opinions and ideas. And then my father had brought me here to have freedom. So how could we try to censor other you know, musicians, whether they came from Cuba or not, you know, and that it was really hypocritical of us as a community to not allow that to happen when we were, you know, there were viajes a Cuba, you know, trips to Cuba, everybody going every day, because mm -hmm. that was the only way that you could help your family by mm -hmm. being able to monetarily give them money. So yeah, that was rough. And it was a growing experience and there were growing pains. But you know what, the city changed. People that had never ventured to put out their opinions came out and st stuck up for me. And the city became a little more tolerant, which made me happy, but it was a brutal process because anytime you delve into politics, and I've stayed away from politics in my music because it was my escape. My life was full of politics. My dad was a political prisoner in Cuba for two years. Then he came and joined the US Army. He went to Vietnam, he came back with Agent Orange poisoning, which destroyed his life. So music was my escape from that. So I've always stayed away and songs like Oye Mi Canto will have social commentary about freedom of expression. But because I went to school and studied literature, the Holocaust that told me silence is the biggest danger for humanity. If you stay silent when you see abuse, you are part of that abuse. And I felt it important at that moment to really stand up. But yeah, it was hairy. It was not fun. And uh, it was a process that was... A learning experience but it did shift the city a little bit it really did absolutely you know that one came from a discussion my sister and i were having actually you know us being of the younger generation she was a teenager as as you know when mi tierra came out and she had more of a close relationship with your music as it was happening than i did and so you know i know how much we've struggled with those same feelings and you know i thank you for giving us music with which to think about it thank you so much for that we are uh running out of time on this zoom conference I think what we want to do is go ahead and wrap the interview up. But again, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to us and join us here on Alt Latino. The new album is just fantastic from beginning to end. It's so exciting. And for the musicians and percussionists out there, you're not going to be disappointed because it's just jam-packed full of great stuff. So congratulations on the album. Yes, congratulations. And like I said, and continue to say, the rhythm is going to get you. That's <laughs> the one thing that gets all of us. It was the first communication as humans, and it continues to move you. You don't have to understand it. You just get it, and it makes you hopefully celebrate joyously and dance. Gloria Stefan, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All the best to you.
Thanks again to Stephanie Fernandez for joining me for this interview with Gloria Estefan. You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras. We're going to close on this track. It's called Magalena, featuring the great Carlinos Brown.